go ahead and turn with me to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. We're kicking off a brand new series. And at the conclusion of 40 days of prayer, we're moving into this series on Daniel. And we felt like the 40 days of prayer was extremely timely. That, that God was doing something in our, in our midst and in the timing in such a way that uh, was calling us to prayer. And we felt like not just us, but other churches uh, seemed to have this... Uh, this sense of urgency for prayer. And uh, we certainly sense that as well. And then it's interesting because we planned our sermon series well over a year in advance and a little over a year in advance. And, and here we are in the book of Daniel, of all, of all books of the Bible, a book that is associated with end times prophecy. And it's funny because, um, you know, a lot of people have questions right now, right? I mean, uh, things that are going on in the world, things that are going, well, wait a second, you know, uh, the, word, the word pestilence is used in Matthew to describe one of the things that will uh, take place. Well, what is a pestilence? Well, it's a, it's a global pandemic. Uh, that's exactly what it is. And, and so we know that in times there's going to be a global pandemic. We see that going on. Uh, there's other things in Scripture. There's um, uh, you know, there's going to be, tor- you know, there's going to be tornadoes, the hurricanes, those types of things will increase, the, and they'll be in various places. Matthew, I believe 17, uh, tells us that those things are going to occur. That and, you, you know, you, you dismiss that maybe and say, you know, but there's always been uh, hurricanes, there's always been tornadoes. Uh, this year ties with the largest number of na- named hurricanes. Uh, so, you know, those types of things happen, and it just makes you, uh, if, at the very least, raise your eyebrow and go, what is it that God is doing? What's going on in our midst that causes us to, to just say, you know what? Um, if nothing else, God is calling his church to, to draw near to him, draw closer to him. His return is imminent. We've known that all along. Uh, his return is certain. Uh, we just don't know when. But I do know this, that when we are going to be found faithful, uh, working in the fields uh, uh, until he does return. So with this series, the book of Daniel uh, is concerned with, a, with aspects of prophecy and tells us a little bit about end times and some things that's going to occur. Uh, we'll get more into that as we get further into this series. And, uh, but then there's aspects of it that are uh, very relevant, no matter if you're in the end times uh, or if you're in the times of Daniel. So, as I said, turn with me to Daniel. Daniel is a book in the Old Testament. Uh, just a couple of things as far as background uh, that you might be interested to know. Uh, Daniel's life is going to span the entire period of the Babylonian captivity. The Babylons are going to come in and they're going to take over uh, Jerusalem, and they're going to take some people uh, with them back to, to Babylon. And Daniel is going to be 16 years old when all of this happens. So he, is, as a 16-year-old, is being taken uh, to Babylon. The Babylonian captivity is a 70-year period. So Daniel's entire life is uh, from 16 until he is well into his 80s. Uh, is going to be spent in Babylon. Uh, Daniel was 16 years old. That would have been the year 605, 605 B.C. And he wrote this particular book of Daniel in the year 530 B.C. 
So Daniel's prophecies then preserved, uh, for, uh, were preserved for the encouragement of the exiles, those that were, that were brought out of uh, uh, Jerusalem, those that were forced out of Israel. And his book served to comfort those exiled people of Israel with the news that their nation one day would be restored and that they are to remain faithful to the Lord no matter how difficult the circumstances may be. So within the book of Daniel, we see uh, many things uh, happen. We see the Christ, uh, that Christ is portrayed as the coming Messiah. But ultimately, we want to recognize that as we anticipate that coming Son of Man, as Daniel describes him, that we too are to remain faithful, that God is sovereign in all of, his, all of the circumstances around us, and that we too can be encouraged to remain faithful no matter how challenging no matter how difficult the trials and tribulations uh, are in front of us. So let's begin. Let's look at Daniel chapter 1. We're going to go through this uh, first chapter today, and we're going to unpack it a little bit and look at how, well, how does that apply to my life? What is it that, that God could teach me from Daniel chapter 1? So let's pick up verse 1. In the year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Key point number one then for us this morning is this, that God is in control even when you find yourself in a culture that is hostile toward Christianity. You know, one of the most uh, peculiar aspects of just these first two verses, when we just look at these first two verses, one of the most peculiar things is the fact that God himself is the one that gave Israel over to the Babylonians. That it's God, it was, it's, it, it's, it's God himself that's saying, okay, I'm going to, you know, you're, you're going to be in, in captivity for 70 years. Now, we have a very limited perspective of the circumstances around us. When we, we can't help but, but focus a lot of times on the challenges that we face, the difficulties, the, 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 uh, the trials, the tribulations. However, God's purposes in the middle of those hardships are going to be multifaceted. God is never just doing one thing. God is always at work doing several things. God is at work uh, and he sees a master plan, and he sees a much larger picture, where a lot of times we get so focused on the trial, we're so focused on the challenge that we're facing, that we overlook the fact that God is doing something much bigger, and he has this multifaceted purpose. And we get so focused on those things that we overlook that God is opening up doors of opportunity to take the gospel to people who are far from him. In fact, that's exactly what we see taking place even here in the book of Daniel. We see that God is, is creating a situation where the gospel is going to be um, better suited and better prepared because of Daniel having been there, and they're going to be better, more receptive to the gospel years after Daniel is gone just simply because Daniel was there. And we'll unpack that, and we'll see that as we, as we go through the book. 
But God is opening up doors of opportunity to make sure that the gospel is taken to people that's far from him. But I want us to consider two people really quick before we move uh, too quickly into the next verses. Let's consider a couple of the people that's involved. The first one is Jehoiakim, the king of Judah. The Jehoiakim was one of the worst kings in Judah. Uh, he was nothing like his father. Uh, his father was Josiah, uh, and Josiah was one of the best kings of Israel. But here we have Jehoiakim, one of the worst kings. Think of it this way, because I, I would say I've encountered some Jehoiakim-type personalities before in churches. Uh, these are people who hold positions of authority simply because they grew up in the church and the people liked their dad. You know, it was like, I like his dad. He grew up here. He's a good old boy. And that good old boy system sets in, and that's why he has risen to the uh, position of power that he has. People liked his dad. People liked who he was. And here he is in a position of authority. But they don't see how poor their decisions are in impacting others. I've met a few Jehoiakims along the way. There's also Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar is certainly uh, the, um, the bad guy of the narrative, right? I mean, he's the king of Babylon, after all. He's the guy that uh, has taken captivity of the people of Israel. He's the guy that's going to force them to bow down to uh, images of himself. He's the guy that is going to say, you can't pray. So Nebuchadnezzar, though, even though he was the most powerful king in the world, uh, he would be the unlikely one that God would use, right? Well, he was the most powerful king in the world. He was a very prideful king. In fact, he was a very accomplished king. If you're familiar with the seven wonders of the world in the ancient world, uh, the hanging gardens uh, that uh, were in uh, Babylon, this is something, this is attributed to this king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, would have been the king that had the hanging gardens in the ancient world uh, built. So he would be the most unlikely one to, to be the one to profess any type of faith in the one true living God. But as we'll see as we unpack a little bit further, and we go down into the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 4, listen to this. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Hmm. So it seems like right at the onset, you know, you've got Jehoiakim. He's the likely one. I mean, he's the king of Israel. You expect him to be the hero, but he's a terrible king. And then you start out with this king who is, is the, the bad guy, and turns out God's going to use him. He's going to be the one that God is going to use in some incredible way. Now, I've met some Jehoiakims, but I've also met some Nebuchadnezzars too. Those people that you first meet them, and you think, gosh, you know, how in the world could God use somebody like that? But yet, that's the unlikely person is exactly who God tends to use. The point is this, that God has a multifaceted purpose in the things that he allows, that he uses unlikely people to accomplish his purposes. And that our personal comforts should not become the focus and the goal of our lives. That God's multifaceted purposes supersede all of that. So Daniel's message is one of preparation and one of hope. 
one that's encouraging. His life is going to echo the words of Joshua to be strong and of good courage.